girl Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to Just Ghouly Things. Hey, Boo Things, and welcome back to Just Ghouly Things. And we are your beautiful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey, let me turn my air conditioner off so that you don't get that much buzzing in the background. Hey! So, um, on this episode of Lily's Life, um, (laughs) (laughs) Lily, do you want to inform our listeners what just happened before we started recording? Okay, guys. I just moved into, like, my first apartment and everything. I'm so proud of you. Thanks, hon. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. Um, and I guess that they needed to do some like construction, and they're like taking branches off of a tree. So it woke me up early this morning, and I was like, "Shit! Like, what the hell is going on?" And I looked outside, and there was a cute construction worker. Hey. He, I, I sent Rebecca pictures. She um, did. You couldn't really see very well, but like he was cute. I, you know what? It was kind of blurry, but I did notice from the picture you sent from behind, he did not have a tush, ladies. He did not have a tush. <laughs> I think he was just, like, I think it was just that he was kind of, like, maybe, like, wearing his pants a little lower. Okay, okay. Let me send you one more picture that I got. I'm such a stalker. I was going to say, this is so scary. Imagine he's one of our listeners. <laughs> oh, my God. I love you. I didn't, like, get his name or anything. But, like, look at that jawline, Rebecca, that I just sent you. Chiseled. And this is still a blurry picture, but it's so chiseled. You could see through the pixelation. Yeah, right? I know. So, anyways. He's young, too. I know. So if Not too young, like, guys. Yeah, no, not, like, creepy young. Um, But, like, you picture construction workers as, like, these burly men with, like, no, this was, like, a little, like, boy band cute boy. So... He had, like, a little tattoo peeking out of his T-shirt. I was like, okay. Oh, on his right side? Yeah. Yes, okay, I see. It's, like, peeking out under the sleeve. Oh, I feel, like, very uncomfortable. I'm zooming in this much on this guy. (laughs) This guy has no idea right now that he's on a podcast about (laughs) ghosts, and there's two girls discussing pictures of himself. This is, yeah, this is really fucked in the head, but it's okay. This is what we do on this show. It's fine. So... Yeah, exactly, right? So I text Rebecca, I send her a couple pictures, and I'm like, okay, Rebecca, like, and I I didn't mention this, but I had already, like, gone out to my car, like, two times to, like, pretend to get groceries or whatever. (laughs) Like, I had, like, like, one of those, like, packs of, not Diet Coke, but lemonade. Okay. In my car. So I, like, brought a few of them in, and then I just went back and brought, like, the whole thing in, and then I went out and, like, and I brought, like, my laundry into my car because I don't have laundry in my unit. And that's when I texted you. I was like, what do I do? And you had the bright idea to offer them water. Mm-hmm. So I still I got think- it. I'm, I've been taken for four years, but I still got it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly, guys, secretly just looking for what Rebecca and Mike have. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> like, And I'm living so- through Lily. Like, I'm just like, oh, my God, tell me all the guys you're talking to. Let me know what you're doing. <laughs> so... So I go, so I'm, I'm walking back from my car and I was like, do you guys want water? And like the cute one didn't hear me, but this other guy did. And, and he was like, sure. And I was like, okay, I'll be, I wasn't talking about you. (laughs) So yeah, not you beardy. (laughs) So he, uh, 
so like I talked to like the other you know the other guy and like he was like a good looking guy but not really my type you know he was like a little older probably like in his 30s and he had like a beard so like not for me um anyways so I I I like go back out with my waters and I like hand them all waters and I like tried to make eye contact with the cute one but he was just looking at the ground like making sure that there were no leaves in the middle of the street or some dumb shit I don't know oh, doing his job oh, what yeah, a good boy focusing on work when I'm there how dare he right so anyways that's and, that, and then they kind of finished their job and left but I, I'm giving myself an A for effort Honestly, Lily, when I said to give him water, I genuinely did not think you were going to take the initiative and do it. And let's not, let's not, like, just skim over the fact that you changed out of your drag queen t-shirt and put on a better ensemble just to make yourself more presentable. I did, I put my hair, I took my hair out of the bun, and I put it in a nice ponytail, put some concealer on, put on some high-waisted shorts and a crop top, my signature duo. Which I need to ask, speaking mm-hmm. of the Drag Queen t-shirt, how was that concert at the Garden State Plaza of the Drag it, Queen show? It was so good. Okay, it, I was it, so jealous I didn't go. I did not know that was a thing. Like, I did not it, know that it was at the Garden State Plaza. Yeah, if they come back, we're going, because it was amazing. It was some of my... Okay, so for those of you who are familiar with RuPaul's Drag Race, it was um, some of my favorites. There was Cameron Michaels, and I'm... Actually, I put my Cameron Michaels t-shirt that I got there back on. (laughs) I slept in it last night, and I put it back on because I didn't want to wear a bra. (laughs) I came back inside. I was like, okay, the boys are gone. (laughs) The boys are gone. The girls come out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just like in this oversized t-shirt i was not about to go outside in that anyways so it was cameron michaels asia o'hara evie oddly um who else who else who such else? icons plastique tiara who i'm obsessed with because like plastique tiara is like this beautiful woman like you should follow her on tiktok rebecca like what's her name plastique P- like plastique but it's q u e okay Tiara. Plastique Tiara. I'm writing this down so I can follow it when we're done recording. Like, oh my god. And, um, so it was Plastique, Phoebe Oddly, Asia O'Hara, Cameron Michaels. Oh my god, I feel so bad. I. Those are a hella drag queens. How long was the show? Honestly, it was only like an hour and a half long. That's not bad though. That's like oh, a pretty... Aquaria, who's from New York, who I live for. I have a, I got a signed Aquaria poster. I was there with my dad, and we were at the merch stand. Mike and went. Like, huh? He went. Yes. Oh my god, I love him. He went. He's the one who heard about the event and was like, "Lil, like I wanted to surprise you with tickets, but I don't know what your availability is because you've been working so much." Uh-huh. So like, we worked together. We found a date. We went, and we were at the merch stand. And I was like, "Oh, they have an Aquaria poster." And the woman working there said, "Oh, like, I have a signed one by Aquaria." And my dad was just like, slammed his hands on the table. Was like, "We'll take it." <laughs> Oh, God. Everyone get yourself a dad like Lily's dad. Oh, the best. Love him. How are, how, how are you? What, any, any shenanigans in your life? Okay, so, Lily, you mean to tell me you're going to put all that out there and then think I can fucking top that? Who do you think I am? Like, are you kidding me? I'm get all about my shenanigans. 
Okay, like, no, no, no. You just made me feel worse about my life because you have, every week, you bring so much to the table and I can bring absolutely squat diddly. All right? That is so not true, <laughs> I'm like so I'm like so like Loki ran a mile with me this morning and I meditated like I'm a fucking noob I did not do anything like exciting like that I didn't go to any drag shows all right I didn't see any cute guys around here they're all over 55 and unattractive like it's just it's just not happening for me but I am working more so I mean that's good I like working I like working Mm -hmm. with people um so that was cool um and yeah I try like I'm trying new like um like new like healthy snacks like just to like because I'm still a snacker so I'm like trying to find like different like um I just started eating those Annie's what are they like they're kind of like the cheeses but they're like the little rabbits Oh, the Cheddar Bunny. Yes. So good. Dude, I remember the first time I had Cheddar Bunnies. I was at a play date at this girl's house. And I went into her pantry. And she was like, do you want to have Cheddar Bunnies? And I had never heard. I'm like, what's that? And she just, like, poured this little dish full of them. And I and I was just, like, in love. Wow. You even have a story behind Cheddar Bunnies. You know what? We're going to stop talking about us and, more importantly, Lily, because Lily has a story for everything and I absolutely have nothing. No, I am. No, I am living for it. Like, I love that you have a story for everything, but I have no cool stories to back anything up ever. I just have a really random memory. You know what I mean? Yeah, you do. You do. But it's always it's. It's useless, useful information. Like, you are definitely someone I would love to talk to at parties because you would always find something to talk about. <laughs> that is true. If we went to, hypothetically speaking, if we were invited to parties, I would go. <laughs> oh, Lordy, help me. Help me. Okay. So, Lily, would you like to tell the audience, the listeners, what this week's episode is on? Haunted Hotel! Part two. So, I'm pretty positive I'm saying part two because we did we did talk about haunted hotels in previous in a previous episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe in that episode we talked about like the Stanley Hotel and like about the Shining and things mm-hmm. like that, but I don't know about yours, because when you told me the, the the hotels you're doing, I've never heard of them before, and I've never heard of the hotels I'm talking about. So I think these are a little, I, at least mine, are more low-key, so you guys yeah, may so learn a little mine. something. All right, so uh, Lily, do you want to get started? Let's go. All right, so my first hotel, I'm not going to lie, I think it's pronounced Hotel Legere. That sounds fancy to me. That sounds like a hotel. It's L-E with a fancy thing on top. G-E-R. <laughs> a fancy thing on top. <laughs> that sounds so, right. I think, I mean, I know Ghost Adventures went there, and I'm pretty sure that they obviously said the name of the title in the episode, but I went to watch the episode, and it was, I think, like season 13, episode 5. They literally had episodes 1 through 4 and 6 through 12. <laughs> no <laughs> fucking episode 5 available on demand. Of what course the fuck? not. Of course not. So I don't know how to say the name, but I'm going to say Hotel Legere. So the his, so it's um 
in, uh, where is it? Let me see. Great start, Lily. Great start. We're really on a roll here. <laughs> I th oh, my God. It's in the Sierra foothills. So let's do a little history on it, shall we? We shall. So the historic village of Mokalumni Hill nestles um, about the Mokalumni, which is definitely not how it's said, river <laughs> in a basin surrounded by low hills. Um, along with a Miwok Indian village next to the springs of the hill, French trappers were reported to inhabit nearby Happy Valley as early as the 1830s. In 1848, the discovery of gold transformed the Sierra foothills. Among the first miners was a group led by Charles M. Weber, as well as members of Colonel Jonathan D. Stevenson's regiment of New York volunteers, one of whom... Samuel Purcell discovered gold on Stockton Hill. So by 1850, miners included Americans, French, Germans, Italians, Jewish people, English, Irish, Spanish, Chilean, Chinese, and African Americans. Mining was prosperous um, on the river at Big Bar, Middle Bar, and Lower Bar, and the community became the trading center of the Mokalumni diggings. Miners also worked the tertiary stream placers in surrounding Tilly Gulch, Lanchaplana. That's actually called, it's probably Lanchaplana, but I don't know how to pronounce that, um, and many other places. A booming community, it became the Calaveras County seat of government in 1852. There were many firsts for the hill, including the first newspaper in the county, and reportedly the first code of laws for miners. And when I'm saying miners, I mean people who mine, not people under 18, just for those who get confused. <laughs> because I remember there was once, do you remember when all those Chilean miners got trapped in the mine? Um, like, are you, uh, um... In, like, 2008, like... Yes, I do, I th yeah. Okay, so when I first heard about it on the news, I wasn't paying attention to the spelling... And I thought they were talking about Chilean children. <laughs> so ever since then, I really clear up when I'm talking about minors and minors. That's a good thing. That's a good thing to establish. Good call, though. Thanks. So the post office uh, was established in 1851, as was a militia of Calaveras guards to keep the killings and Wild West rowdiness to a low roar. Gaslights for split the streets in 1857 and the fire department was established in 1861 the masonic lodge was established in 1853 odd fellows lodge in 1857 and the first chapter of e clampus vitus in the state i don't know what that means um in the state opened in 1881 there were a large number of french businesses and organization including a, an organizations including a french hospital so during the tumultuous gold rush years, a Frenchman by descent, we believe, from the region of Kassel, Germany, arrived on the hill. In 1851 or 52, Georges Leger became a partner in the Hotel de France at the corner of Main and Lafayette Streets. He would run this successful establishment until his death in 1879. Mokalumni Hill suffered three major fires in 1854, 65, and 74, and many structures were lost and rebuilt. 
What would become known as Hotel Leger was rebuilt at least three times. So this building's already been through a lot. Mm -hmm. The first Hotel de France was probably a one-story wooden structure and was rebuilt of wood after the 1854 fire. After 1865's fire, it was rebuilt and became known as Hotel de Europa and then the Grand Hotel. After the fire of 1875, the building was rebuilt in two stories of stone and George bought the adjoining old courthouse building, which is still part of the hotel today. The hotel has always been a beacon for travelers, a place for locals to gather, and a spot of grand elegance if needed. At the heart of Mock Alumni Hill, um, it is indeed a grand lady that has served the town well and proudly deserves our respect and gratitude for her remarkable survival. Um, so, as we said, um, not only did it operate as a courthouse and post office, but it was also a gambling establishment and saloon. Mm. It is rumored there was a tunnel beneath the hotel that conveniently connected the hotel guests to the brothel across the street. So... The first part that I read was from, I think it's interesting, the first part that I read just now, um, that whole beginning part is from Hotel Leger's website, and now we're getting into an article about it that's telling all of this stuff that they didn't mention, like the saloon and the nearby brothel <laughs> and the alleged tunnel beneath the hotel to connect it to the brothel. Um, other rumors for the tunnel surrounded the illegal ferrying of Chinese workers or hiding of gold. The current owner, Dora Lee Rees, believes it was most likely a maintenance tunnel to the turnstile for the stage. The remnants of the circular area where the tunnel may have been located can still be found in the brick wall of the basement of the hotel. Underneath the hotel, down a dark, down a dank, dark, dirt path. Okay, that, this is hard to say. Down a dank, dark, dirt path, through heavy iron doors, into a small domed brick room, in the far corner and under a dust-covered lead bar from which a rusted set of skeleton key handcuffs hang eerily. Ooh. The, yeah. The, mortared, the mortared patch job can be found at the presumed location at the mouth of the tunnel. It is here in the basement, just a brick wall away from the old jail, that some folks feel the presence of supernatural beings. Ooh. Yeah, so I found on their website, which was really cool, um, there are, there's a whole section for guests' ghost stories. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning that not only was this featured on Ghost Adventures, but in September 2012, it was refurbished by local volunteers for an episode of Travel Channel's Hotel Impossible. Oh, cool. Yeah, so this place has been a hot spot. It's for pretty poppin'. Yeah, so not all, so like this place like just doesn't rest. Like Never. they had gamblers, it was a post office, it was a courthouse, now it's on Ghost Adventures and Hotel Impossible. Like you're right, this place is poppin'. So here's a guest story from oh, and I found one particularly haunted room. I couldn't find any history on it. I'm sure they touched upon it in the Ghost Adventures episode, but I couldn't watch it. Um, so this is from December 2004. 
We had heard about the ghosts and went out of our way to visit, but probably would have been too chicken to stay if we had realized no other guests would be there. Your last staff person left around 8 p.m. and we were alone there, which made us really nervous. First, one left our part, one of our party left and went into the bathroom to the left of the top of the stairs and came out and it locked. This may have been a coincidence. However, at about, drum roll please, four o'clock in the morning, we awakened to hear a woman gently sobbing down the hall. And the only other person who would have been there was the male caretaker. Mm. We couldn't, yeah. So spooky, kooky, ooky stuff going on here. We couldn't locate the sound, but it seemed to be coming from below and towards room three and four. Being scaredy cats, we packed up before dawn and left. <laughs> we are returning specially to visit the hotel. I grew up in an actively haunted house, and I'm fascinated by the stories of your hotel. So that's one. And then we have another um, kind of long one. So this one is from April 2006. My very first English teacher told me that every good story has a beginning, middle, and end. What follows is our story. I was traveling with three others, my daughter, our friend, and my sister, along with our little chihuahua. Since we had four in our party, we were assigned room one and two. Both rooms were beautiful, and we were very impressed with the lovely antique furnishings. After having a delicious dinner in the bar area, we all decided to go to room one, which was the room that my daughter and I decided to take for the night. As we were relaxing, we noticed the smell to see that seemed to come and go that we all agreed was the musty smell of old aftershave mingled with copper. Hmm. We thought this was odd, but nothing like what was to come as time went on. One of the first things that startled us was the Capri Sun that we watched my daughter set on the nightstand suddenly appear on the dresser across the room. Again, we thought this was odd, but we tried to explain it away. None of us were aware that the hotel had a reputation of being haunted, nor did any of us believe in the supernatural until that night. Wow. As we were sitting and talking, we noticed a large, dark shadow move across the wall on the right side of the bed and disappear as it passed the window. This frightened us a great deal, since there were four of us that had witnessed this happen. We tried to come up with a rational explanation, but none came to mind. It was about this time when we started hearing rapping coming from inside of the antique chest that sat on the floor at the foot of the bed. Oh, no. My sister and I stood getting ready to head to the chest when our dog started growling and snapping at the air on the edge of the bed. Slight apprehension started to set in, but we still tried to tell ourselves that this wasn't the work of the ghost, of a ghost, sorry. Perhaps whatever inhabits room one decided this is a good time to make us believers. We sat back down, the girl sitting on the bed and my sister on the conversational couch and me in the rocking chair. We felt the room temperature drop and the odd smell return. I felt something I can only describe as cold and dry touch the back of my hand. I was just getting ready to tell my sister this latest event when she sat up straight and told me something that 
and told me something had just brushed across her chest. Both of us stood up to look around, our friend joining us and my daughter staying on the bed. She was standing in front of the fireplace. She happened to look into the old mirror above it. We all saw what happened next. A piece of hair was lifted straight from her scalp and held in midair as if by an unseen hand. Ah. The, yeah, that's Fugigugiyuki if you ask me. Yeah. The wrapping on the chest started up again along with what we all heard as a low sigh or possibly a groan. It was too much for us to fathom. Four non-believers in a haunted room deciding whether to stay or go when the lock on the front door disengaged. We all jumped in fright and decided that was our time to leave. <laughs> As we were packing up, we couldn't find our dog's favorite rubber toy or the small plastic lid to his food. Aww. I decided to appeal to the spirit's mercy and ask for these items back. We all stood in the middle of the room, not knowing what to expect next, when we heard the sound of rubber bouncing on wood. There, in front of us, was the rubber toy that we all searched the entire room for to no avail. I cautiously picked it up, and we left the same night we checked in. <laughs> That's shit I would do, too, though. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> we went to the bar where we told our story to the evening employees. Both were surprised at our experience, at our experience, but so very understanding, offering another room or compensation. We decided to leave in spite of their best efforts. As we pulled away from the Hotel Legere, our friend reached for her cell phone, only to find the small plastic lid we had searched for in the room under the front seat of the car. What? Yeah. We all managed a nervous chuckle, but we knew the lid was in room one where we set up his food. I don't want our experience to overshadow the wonderful service or the beauty of this old hotel. We would like to thank each and every employee for making our brief stay very memorable. I suppose we also owe the spirit that dwells in room one a thank you as well. We all checked in non-believers and we left knowing that there is another realm which perhaps at times crosses paths with our own. Hmm. The end. Wow. Yeah, and there there were some more ones. And that was one experience? Really huh? That was just one experience. Yeah, that was just wow. one. Wow. That's so cool. It's scary, but that's so cool. That was like in one night that they were there and then even stay. I know, I honestly, I would like to say that I would be intrigued by this and want to stay and see more, but hell no. The second that hair lifted off of that girl's scalp, I would have been out. <laughs> like, I'm good on that. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a really, yeah. and I would literally say right now, oh my gosh, we should definitely go this summer and visit, but wait, we can't. Because COVID. Fuck so. COVID. Honestly, Hashtag. though, and, like, to tell you the truth, I there are dozens of these stories. There was another really good one um, about a woman on her wedding night that was really good. Ooh. Yeah, but, I mean, it's like, 
really long and I, you know, I don't want to make the episode too long, but go, I strongly encourage you, even if like, I like to like read some nights before bed, which is funny because I'm not much of a reader, but if you're like me and you just want to like noodle around on the internet before bed, I highly recommend going to the Hotel Legere's website and going to the ghost story section because there are short ones, long ones, ones like this that are just remarkable. Do you still have that, that story? Hmm? Uh, do you still have that story of the woman on her wedding night? Sure. Do you want to hear it? I was going to say, if it's, like, super long, post it on the private Facebook group so that our so that people that follow our private Facebook group, they can read it there. And it okay, makes you yeah, guys yeah. follow us on that private Facebook group, become a part of our Facebook community. Yes, please do. We have a lot of fun in the group. Yeah, we do. We have a lot of people that contribute and send articles in. Which, speaking of which, I this literally just reminded me. I'm going to post this in the private Facebook group as well. Mike and I just found out yesterday that on the CIA.gov official website, that astral projection is a real thing. Like, CIA have actually conducted experiments and... Wow. Yeah, like, it's a real thing. And they were able to... There was, I guess, this one case where... Um, this guy was imagining that there was water in a bowl, mm-hmm. even though there wasn't water. And obviously the people around him didn't believe that he was manifesting like water through astral projection. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. when the guy, so then someone else threw a ball into this water, the bowl actually rippled as if there was water in it. Holy and that was shit. through astral projection. So apparently it takes like years of meditation and like, practicing but astral projection is a real thing so when you hear people say they've had astral projection experiences don't just write it off as crazy like the cia has actually investigated it and there's an actual document that i'm currently reading um that explains certain instances where they've investigated it and so on and so forth so uh, i'll link that in the private facebook group as well Ooh, i love that yeah yeah the paranormal is starting to become not so uh, abnormal to people. Just saying. That's right. uh, honestly like that. That's like comforting, and also like it, it makes me feel like okay, like there's this whole you know like community probably on Reddit of people sharing astral projection stories, and people probably turn there for you know reassurance mm-hmm. and validation, and like now it's even on the CIA website. Like yeah. Like, we're making moves. Yeah, but it's interesting how media chooses what we watch and what we listen to. Because mm-hmm. this is stuff that, it's if you look it up, the CIA, they post about it. But you don't see any of the major media outlets talking about it. Why? I feel like this is pretty fucking newsworthy. Yeah, like, can we take a break from COVID for a day and talk about other shit? Just one like, day. One day. Like, put the, like, like, the numbers are important, like, but put that shit on the crawler on the bottom of the news screen for like, one day. It's, it's so crazy. Like, I refuse to watch any of the news outlets. Like, I'll, I'll see things that pop up online, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't go seeking the news because it's all negative all the time. Like, it's so yeah. draining to you watch get, it like, all the time. The, you get, like, 30 minutes of bad scary, depressing news, and then you get, like, a two-minute story about a corgi on a surfboard. Right! And they expect that to make you feel better. (laughs) Exactly. Lily, you hit the nail right on the head with that, because that is so (laughs) accurate, and that's exactly why 
I hate watching the news. There's a there's a name for those stories. I forget. My my mom was telling me about it. She was like, "Oh yeah, that's the classic." Like it's not like filler story, but it's like I I forget. Anyways, okay. What's what's your first hotel, Rebecca? Okay. So <laughs> Get my back on topic. Sorry. No, this is good. Okay, so this my next one. Uh, my next one. My first one is the Green Park Inn. And um, I'm going to laugh at the town that it's in because I'm five years old. Um, but the town that the Green Park Inn is located in is <laughs> Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Because <laughs> I'm five years old. Blowing Rock is funny to me. Okay. So uh, the green. So this is um, some of the information that I get on the history of the Green Park Inn is actually on the website itself, and I'm also going to be reading some reviews of people's paranormal experiences through TripAdvisor and some other sources. But this history lesson is brought to you by GreenParkInn.com. So I'm ready. My the, body is ready. <laughs> All right. The Green Park Inn was opened in 1891 by a group of three businessmen from Lenore, North Carolina, including Civil War veteran major George Washington Finlay Harper on extensive acreage then known as Green Park. Back then, and for many years, the hotel contained the only United States post office for the entire area. Um, a piece of this original post office remains with the hotel in their history room to this day. The original hotel consists of over 73,000 square feet, three levels, a restaurant, and a bar. In the Ooh. late 19... Yeah, it's pretty massive. And in the late 1950s, what is now referred to as the golf wing was built, adding somewhat larger rooms and balconies overlooking the Blowing Rock Country Club golf course to the hotel's inventory. Throughout the decades and generations of this great grand dame of the high country that hosted such historic and memorable figures, such as, these are some big names, so get ready, Annie Oakley, J.D. Rockefeller, Eleanor Roosevelt, Calvin Coolidge, Herbert Hoover, and Margaret Mitchell, who in fact penned part of Gone with the Wind while a guest at the hotel. Wait a minute, I'm so excited I know who all those people are. Right. Um, oh, damn. You know how, like, some hotels will be, like, big names have stayed here, and it's, like, no one you've ever heard of? Literally never. That's impressive. And, and part of Gone with the Wind was written there. That's him. So iconic. History right there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. So, given the hotel's physical location, straddling the Eastern Continental Divide... Um, at the gateway to the Blue Ridge National Parkway and its rich history and significance of the North Carolina high country, the Green Park Inn was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1982. The last of the Grand Manor hotels in all of western North Carolina, she remains the state's second oldest operating resort hotel. So this hotel is a pretty big deal in North Carolina. And in May 2010, the Green Park Inn was purchased by New York Hotel aficionados Eugene and Stephen Iris. Throughout the summer and early fall of 2010, the hotel underwent extensive infrastructure and in, in system repair and modernization, as well as having been entirely refurnished. Um, and they are proud to say that having made a commitment to buy American, much if not most of the hotel's new furnishings were made in America. Um, so the hotel includes 88 guest rooms, approximately two-thirds of which have been refurbished. All guest rooms contain entirely new room furnishings. Most have renovated or updated bathrooms, and many have new carpeting. All of the hotel's public areas have also been refurbished and contain entirely new furnishing with new floor finishing in most public areas. 
Um, and there's still work being done in the hotel to this day. Um, they just, I, it seems like they like to keep the integrity of what the hotel looked like when it was created, but they're just modernizing it so that our newer generation can enjoy the history as well. I love that. That's such a smart move, not mm-hmm. only just for like business, but for people's like, but for the people who are going, you know what I mean? Like they benefit from it and the, so do the guests. Exactly. You know I mean? So of course, like I said, there was, there's a lot of history that is behind this hotel. It's been around for years. So many iconic people have stayed at this hotel. Um, and with that, there are some spooky kooky things going on in this hotel as well. I'm ready! Uh-huh, and most of the stories involve the daughter of the Green Park Inn's uh, founder, Laura Green, who died in room 318 after her husband-to-be left her at the altar. Now, I'm not exactly sure why he didn't, he didn't show at the altar. Either he just was like, nah, I'm changing my mind, or something may have happened to him. But as a result, she died in room 318. I'm not exactly sure if she killed herself or she... Like, I don't know exactly what happened either. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't give full details. Um, but since that happened, uh, there has been reports of guests saying that there is ghostly activity. And the hotel lobby even has a ghost log for visitors to look through or to report encounters. Kind of like your last hotel that you talked about. That is so cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the Green Park Inn manager, Lori Mulhern, had said, quote, the motto our employees live by is we respect the privacy of all our guests, whether or not they've ever checked out, end quote. <laughs> and uh, she said that the Green Park Inn does get visitors for the haunted element alone, but it's something that the hotel, it's not something that the hotel promotes. Like they're, they kind of discourage talking about the hauntings. They kind of just like to keep whatever energy resides in the hotel, just kind of not really talk about it and just let them do their thing. We do our thing, uh, whatever. Yeah. But, um, but what they've said is, let's see, they, uh, because I guess a lot of people started finding out about the haunted history through a Washington Post uh, article that was made. Mm-hmm. But she said, all national recognition is good recognition. We are always happy to shine a spotlight on the history of the hotel and the town of Blowing Rock. I think it's great to have the lore, but there's a fine line between what people believe and what people want to believe. We have guests say that they sense things, and that's fine. Um but even so, the tales of the Green Inn Park, as well as its history and cultural value, have boosted the local economy, especially through tourism. So these haunted tales have definitely helped with uh, with the economy in this town as well. So there's the ghost-giving benefits uh, to, the, to the town of Blowing Rock. See, ghosts aren't that bad. Well, I guess since they don't have to pay taxes, they have to do something. They don't pay rent. They don't pay taxes. That's their, that's their, uh, that's their kickback. They don't pay the utilities. <laughs> they don't pay the utilities, so they have to, you know, give people a reason to come. So, um, yeah, so that is some of the history and some of the remarks made by people that work at the hotel. Now I'm going to read to you this review that I found on TripAdvisor, and Ooh. it's titled... So they rated the hotel 3 out of 5, so average review, and the title is Haunted Night. So she or he writes, randomly selected this hotel from Expedia to stay overnight while visiting family. 
It looked interesting, and that it was. Very historic hotel and a visit from quote-unquote guest in the night. I heard a child. They heard a child running through the halls, and when I checked out, I asked why someone played the piano all night. This kept me awake since it sounded like it was playing directly below me in the lobby. They, in fact, informed me nobody had been playing the piano. Ooh. Yes. There's nothing scarier than, like, a ghost piano or a ghost organ. Mm-hmm. Super creepy. And this was in December 2016 that they stayed. And then next I found this article, and it was ghost hunt- it's titled Ghost Hunting at the Green Park. Ooh. And this is... Uh, the in that inspired speed dating with the dead, which is, uh, which I guess is a book that came out. Speed so, dating with the, the dead. dead. Yeah. Um, so let me go through real quick. Cause this is an actual article that you can check on hauntedcomputer.com. So, uh, this starts the haunt, the haunt masters club based in Eastern Tennessee rolled into blowing rock to conduct a paranormal investigation of the historic inn. The five-member crew brought technical equipment, including uh, electric magnetic field recorder, digital audio recorders, digital thermometers, cameras, night vision cameras, to document their exploration of the ethereal. Three of the members are also claimed clairvoyant powers, a sensitivity to the presence of those whose spirits might still cling to the earthly realm. I, who was the writer, was invited along as an impartial observer and journalist, and even though I've been known to adapt a local supernatural legend or two, I belong to the, quote, I'm open-minded, but I'll believe it when I see it camp. So, uh, Justin Guest and Christy Ratch were the first to arrive browsing a ghost log kept at the reception desk that has been used since 2004 to record strange encounters. Based on reports by guests and staff members, the club selected a handful of rooms for a closer investigation. They were then given a tour by a former longtime employee and made notes. Compliments of the inn's management, the haunt master set up shop in room 318, which is by far the most haunted room, according to visitor reports. So this is the legend, and this is, like I said, it's not proven, but this is the legend of what happened to uh, Laura or Laurel Green. So apparently when she was left at the altar, she died either of a broken heart or suicide. Um, another take on the legend is that her would-be groom, feeling guilty, returned to the room in search of her after his death. Uh, so this is a theory that he died, and bef- and he died before he was able to get to the altar. Mm-hmm. He came back in spirit once he found her dead, and so his spirit's the one that's there in room three eighteen. Okay. Um, so that might explain the accounts of mysterious pipe smoke. Um, and hallucinations that have been reported in the room. Christy said she felt the room was the safest one on the floor and said she'd heard a woman's voice whisper, beware. She believed the warning was made. Yeah, she believed the warning was made because of the two rooms at the end of the hall, 332 and 333, which she said were evil. Whatever is back there is not happy we're here. So... In my research, I did not even know that rooms 332 and 333 existed. It's always about room 318 or just the third floor in general. But the fact that there's an evil presence means that there's probably more than just this woman or her supposed-to-be husband there. Seems like there's something dark on that property. Ooh, do you Who think that, that they have, like, meetings, like, with the ghosts, and they're like, shh, don't invite the evil spirit? They're like... 
he's like he needs to keep his, he needs to be on the other side of the wing. We don't want him here. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's weird that she mentioned because you would think that she'd be like, oh yeah, three eighteen has full of activity, this and that. But she's acknowledging there's something there, but there's something even more. Um, more obvious and darker in these other rooms that are normally not spoken about. So I thought that was a really interesting point. Yeah, and I also and I like that she did that to say like without saying like who cares about three eighteen? Let's focus on these rooms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then room three twenty seven was one suggested by an employee, April Mark. Marcuse as a place that gives her the creeps. During her two years working there, she said children sometimes ran crying from the room for no apparent reason. The cramped quarters were used long ago by the caretaker when the inn was closed during the winter. It was the first room where the team set up equipment. With the lights off, Christy sat in a chair and asked a series of questions aloud, such as, what's your name? And are you sitting on the bed? As well as the chilling, did you die here? Tammy's EMF recorder was triggered over a spot on the bed with no visible electrical source, such as a TV or wall outlet nearby. Jake then asked, can you turn on the TV or radio for us? With no response, while Justin made a video record of the sequence. After five minutes, Christy abandoned her chair, went to the door, saying she'd experienced an overwhelming sense of panic. Jake then sat in the chair and reported a feeling of loneliness, though he had the impression that whatever spirit occupied the room had spent a lot of time reading. How do you get that impression? I don't. I guess it's just when you're so connected to the spirit world, they give you signs of maybe something that really speaks to them. So, like, like you, um, if you are someone that likes concerts and you're trying to kind of make yourself known, maybe you give a psychic medium the sense of concerts. It's kind of got random, it, but it's it. like, oh, that would connect. That would connect them to Lily because that's something that you identify with a lot. Because you like music, you like concerts. Um, I guess it's kind of like giving them a hint to communicate and give them more of who who they are as a spirit or a soul. Got it. I thought he just kind of sat down and was like, hmm, I feel like this guy reads. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to put that out there. I don't know what that means. Yeah, just throw that in the mix for fun. Um, And then, let's see. Some of the questions were followed by low booming or thudding, which could be explained by distant sounds from the hotel's pub or someone banging on the walls below. So this investigative team seems like while they're experiencing things, they're also quick to debunk them as well. They're not just going to say, oh, this is, you know, this is definitely paranormal. This is definitely a demon. And it could just be a creak in the floorboards or something. Yeah. Um, Is that Loki whining in the background? Yes. Okay, I wasn't sure if there was like if I was hearing shit. No, it's okay. it's Loki being spoiled because he wants attention all the time, and he's <laughs> into the story, and he's not getting petted right now. <laughs> That's I, I relate, Loki. Aunt Lily relates to you. He's like, wait, is that Aunt Lily? <laughs> Tilt his head. Okay, so then. Uh, finally, the group proceeded to 332, where both Christy and Tony originally reported feelings of being smothered or closed in. Tony described it as, something gets on you, but when the group set up its equipment, both clairvoyants felt that whatever spirit had bothered them was now gone, possibly traveling across the hall to the adjoining room. In 332, they asked, are there three of you? And is there something you need to tell us? Christy added in an interrogator's tone. Did you murder someone? They cut Ooh. this They cut this stop short on the conscious belief that it was devoid of any activity. 
then in room 210, which their tour guide said always caused her uneasy feelings, proved to be the strangest investigation. Their initial visit revealed high EMF activity, which the group attributed to the sprinkler system's valve in the ceiling, though it used no electrical power. On the return visit, the group sat in the dark for several minutes before Christy reported hearing a voice of a number of voices, including children who said they were 11 and 13. Shortly after that, Tony stood, fled the room, holding the side of her head and saying something had been at the table where she sat. Jake's digital photographs taken during the visit showed orbs, which are white circles or specks that are sometimes attributed to supernatural activity though skeptics say that they're caused by dust or lens flare. And then in this one photo that's in this article, uh, several orbs are seen clustered around the table where Tony had been sitting. Justin reported that on the group's final visit to the room, no EMF fluctuations were detected. And then the last two that I'm going to be talking about, the uh, first one is room 218, which is a lush honeymoon suite with an elegant sauna and an antique clawfoot tub, was next on the list. Tony had reported seeing someone at the window during her arrival, though the entire second floor was empty of guests, at least the tangible paying customers. <laughs> Justin, the most tech-oriented of the group and probably the most skeptical, uh, I just lost my place, at one point turned to Tammy and said, did you say something? I was sitting near Tammy and heard nothing myself, but Justin, a 10-year ghost hunting veteran, said, hmm, maybe that was the first time I've ever heard someone. So they actually heard a voice that sounded so human and alive that he had to question That's, if it was I someone there. Never, mm -hmm. I could never handle that. And then, last but not least, in room 226, had an actual recorded death in the room and was the focus of the final investigation. Christy asked aloud the standard questions about age and year of death and then asked, do you play music? About 30 seconds later, Tammy, who had been quiet most of the night, said, do you guys hear an organ playing? Jake left the room to check out a perceived shadow in the crack under the door, but it proved fruitless. Yeah. So there was a lot of activity in just that investigation alone. Um, so if you want to check that whole investigation log out, you can go on to hauntedcomputer.com and look up ghost hunting at the Green Park. Can you post the links to the article in the Facebook group? I most definitely can. And Yay! Ooh, we're going to spam the Facebook group when this episode is over. I'm oh, so excited. Yes. And then I have one final short experience that I found on hauntedplaces.org. So what you can do is say if you're going on vacation once everything is lifted, guys, um, you, if you want to stay in a haunted hotel or a haunted inn, you can actually go onto hauntedplaces.org. And you could check out different hotels and you could look at the reviews of people's paranormal experience based in those hotels, which is pretty cool. It's like a trip advisor for paranormal enthusiasts. I love that. Mm -hmm. So this one posted in January, on January 17th, 2016. They said, we stayed on the third floor in room 319. It turned out to be the most haunted room. Uh, turned out the most haunted room was room 318. The moment I got to the third floor, it was almost like I had a plastic bag over my head. There were two hallways. They didn't want anyone to go down, so they turned the lights off. So my brother decided to go down one of the hallways and felt as if someone was breathing down his neck. Then out of nowhere, when he heard scratching on the doors and heard what sounded like a lady saying, get out of my room. We went to the elevator to request a new room. And while we were getting onto the elevator, we heard what sounded like a little girl screaming never going back holy shit no ma'am yes no, ma so this seems like this isn't just an just only an innocent bride to be um 
residing in this hotel. It seems like there's a lot more dark activity than there is lighthearted activity. So if you guys are willing to investigate that, that is the Green Park Inn in Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Damn. I would go... Do you think they have signs that say Blowing Rock, like, when you enter the town? Oh, 1,000%. Welcome to Blowing Rock. I, I hope that it's one of those, like, big signs, too, not, like... Like, here in Jersey, like, sometimes you have a big sign, but usually it's just, like, a little, like, it's the size of, like, a parking sign. It's just like, yeah, you're in this town now, just so you know. No, whatever. It doesn't matter to us if you know you're here or not. But, yeah, they definitely need to have a big sign. If you're going to have an iconic town name like that, you got to blow it up for blowing rock. It's like, is that, um, is it in Kansas? There's a town named Butte, B-U-T-T-E. It's probably not Kansas. That's just the first state that came to my mind. <laughs> I've and never, I, I've never heard of that. Yeah, Butte. It's also like a type of landform that's like kind of raised and flat on top. I think I learned that in second grade because I can't remember anything actually important. Um, <laughs> but there's a town called Butte, and I've seen pictures of people like going and like covering the E so it says butt. <laughs> We're all five inside still. <laughs> we really are. All right. My turn? Yes, it is. Yay! Okay. Oh, man, I got to scroll back down because the screen timed out. Okay. This is the Jerome Grand Hotel. Ooh, okay. So, a little history. The United Verde Hospital was constructed in 1926 to replace the old hospital constructed in 1917 when a fault shift due to blasting, damaged the south wing. This is the only photo known seen above, which I'll post, I guess, um, (laughs) um, known showing both hospitals before the removal of the damaged wing. Once patients and equipment were moved to the new hospital in January 1927, the wing was removed with some major remodeling and became the clubhouse building and still stands today minus the south wing another building the original jerome high school was damaged by the same fall and had to be torn down an additional major building the united verde apartments was missed by one foot from being damaged by the same fall the strange location for the fourth and last hospital bill now the jerome grand hotel was due to the known stability of the ground The building plans are dated February 1926, and this 30,000-square-foot poured-in-place concrete building was opened in January 1927. It featured patient call lights, balconies, sun porches, emergency backup lighting, Otis self-service elevator, an ice-making room, um, laboratories, x-rays, major and minor surgical facilities, men's, women's, and children's wards, private and semi-private rooms, blanket warming closets, and housing for some staff. In 1930, it was considered the most modern hospital in Arizona and possibly the Western states. William Clark used this as just another marketing tool to attract the best employees, good housing, great schools, and the top medical care available. The building was originally equipped with three boilers, the 50-horsepower Kiwani low-pressure steam boiler for heat, and it is still being used. 
a high-pressure steam boiler for sterilization, which was given away to be used on a steam engine, and a hot water boiler. I don't know why they're spending so much time talking about the fucking boilers in this building, <laughs> but they are. Um, which was next, and when I, okay, literally, when I was copying and pasting this article, there were, like, 12 pictures of the fucking boilers. Is, are boilers important? Um, I mean, I think, in a way, they are, because they, you know, handle the energy. Okay, um, so let's highlight those fucking boilers. You know what? Boilers are underrated as fucking houses. Check out your <laughs> boilers, guys. Inspect your boilers. Let them know you appreciate all the hard work they do throughout the year. I was, like, looking in the pictures for orbs and shit, and it was just, like, a big red boil. I do think that it's very fascinating that um, the low-pressure steam boiler, though, is still being used in this building. Um, Because think of all the people that have not only just, like, performed maintenance on it, but have just walked by it, you know, filled it up with water, all that shit, right? Like, there's history. There is a piece of history there. So I get that. If boilers could talk. (laughs) So, um, let's see. The system is fully automated as it was originally designed. The Kiwani Boiler Co. and Nash Engineering Co. manufactured the vacuum system, were still in business in the 1990s, and provided us with information and some parts. The the over 90-year-old GE Motors still work the vacuum pumps. Good old GE never fails. Um... So, Phelps Dodge Mining Corporation acquired the United Verde Jerome Mine Holdings in 1935 and continued to operate the United Verde Hospital until its closing in 1950. The hospital was maintained fully furnished for approximately 20 years, after which Phelps Dodge knew it would never be used um, as a hospital in the future. Most of the furnishings were removed in the 1970s and 80s, and Phelps Dodge would, over time, hire a live, or a live-in, sorry, I almost said live-in, because I'm a dumbass, <laughs> a live-in caretaker, or lease it to a family just to keep it occupied and safe from vandals. Smart. After the death of the last caretaker, which was a suicide in the 1980s, the building was boarded up and watched over by local police and small staff still at the Phelps Dodge headquarters in Jerome. While some vandalism did occur over time, this added an incentive for liability reasons for Phelps Dodge to sell. In December of 1993, um... An offer to purchase was made to the Phelps Dodge Corporation by Larry Alther of Phoenix, Arizona, and possession was taken May 29, 1994. Larry still owns and operates the Jerome Grand Hotel. So, is the hotel haunted? I'm going to assume yes. (laughs) Any good historic building should have some mystery to offer. Most buildings that have been around a long time will have had some rumors and gossip. Well, to be honest, the Jerome Grand Hotel was the perfect storm for rumors and gossip, and some strange occurrences have been documented over the years. It was originally a hospital built on a steep slope looming over the town. Most kids in town were marched up to the hospital for any inoculations they received, and when one in their family was sick, they would have to visit them in the hospital. 
The hospital was closed in 1950 and over the years gained the patina. I don't know if I'm saying that word right or what it means, quite frankly. Um, and feel of having been abandoned and left to the elements. Um, then, with the official closing of the mining operations in Jerome in 1953, the entire town took on an ominous look and feel. The owner moved in and started work in 1994 and said that during the first month, there seemed to be an overcast of uncertainty. Mm. It was a feel that your presence was in question, not sure if you were welcomed or not. In the second month, this feeling started to relax, and then one day during the second month, it totally went away. During the following months, there became a feeling of a protective nature. The owner is not into hauntings nor ghost stories, but said if the spirits that be are happy, I'm happy. Yes, there have been a couple of TV shows on, on the spirit nature of the hotel and a number of psychics visiting the property. The owner says out of the many visiting psychics over the years, three of them seem to pick up a number of things, both past and present. Two in particular said, quote, the head nurse or, quote, the nurse in charge was upset with the removal of the desks. Interesting that they'd be connected to something so, like, every day, you know? Yeah. Both psychics were in what is now the restaurant lounge area and originally the dispensary and main entrance for the hospital. The owner told each psychic the original dispensary desks were in storage. The psychics did not know each other and visited more than a year apart. Later, upon leasing out the restaurant lounge in 2003, the new tenant somehow saw two cabinets stored at the back of one of the garages in the hotel. He asked the owner what they were and if he could use them in the restaurant area. Given permission, the original dispensary counter height desks were relocated within a few feet of their original placement. To date, the, quote, head nurse has made no more complaints. Well, at least about the desks. The hotel owner will admit that if there are spirits, they, may, they must be a lot happier occupying a hotel instead of a hospital. <laughs> they are dealing with a clientele that are here by choice and not necessity. So that's all from the Jerome Grand Hotel. Like their website. Wow. Yeah. It seems like um, they're only promoting that they have some spooky, kooky, ooky stuff going on. Yeah, and what I especially you know like about the way that not only um not only this hotel but the past hotels we've discussed they kind of like embrace it and acknowledge it but they don't market themselves as a haunted hotel exactly that, and, and smartly so because not only then you know do people who aren't believers still feel comfortable going mm -hmm. but then people don't go expecting this grand experience and being disappointed it's so tacky when hotels try to make themselves like so oh we are the most haunted hotel on the east coast and then oh we give ghost tours of this and that and then you know that they put popping things or sounds or just little things just to give people an experience that they're guaranteeing it just, it's so tacky and... Oh, it's such it a takes... tourist trap and waste of mm -hmm. money. Like, I'd rather go to a place that says, we might be haunted, you know, yeah. let's see what happens. 
it takes away from people that actually study paranormal and are actually trying to get the truth out. Tourist traps are to legitimate haunted hotels as TikTok is to hardworking actors. Wow, that actually is a great comparison. <laughs> that is that is unfortunately very accurate, actually. I mean, there are some great TikToks, like, and I'm not going to lie, I watched that one of you trying to, like, jump into or out of your sweatshirt, like, 12 fucking times. <laughs> oh, God. I actually thought I, I actually tried to practice it. And it, I literally, that the one time I recorded it is where I fall flat on my face, and Loki just was just there for it um or the, the one where you're like who's whoing like with loki like who's the one who's more <laughs> high maintenance like i live for that like those like goofy tiktoks like i live for but the ones where it's just like she and hall and they like snap their fingers and change outfits they get paid five figures for that it's insane it's actual insanity like what is like i respect anyway. the hustle but the content i want to see I want to see more dog content on TikTok, okay? Oh, absolutely. And, okay, so I guess, like, the way that TikTok works is uh, it's on your For You page or whatever they explain it. It's based on, like, what you like or what you're commenting on. So it gives you that uh, that algorithm. Mm -hmm. I came across, like, one – there's something called the ripple effect, and it's an effect that is on TikTok. So when you scan it around the room, supposedly, it's kind of like a um, – it's kind of like a thermal imaging camera. So it picks up on, like, different temperatures in the room. And supposedly you'll see, like, spirits and things like that by using the ripple effect. Oh, that's cool. So I've gotten a few of those on my four-year page. And now I'm starting to get more parano like on the paranormal side of TikTok, which I'm not hating. And it's people that they'll record themselves and, like, their experiences that they've had in their house They'll hear actual, you'll hear audio of like a girl talking or you'll see something that's not normally there when they're recording. Uh, so it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I've saved a couple of TikToks to then post on our Instagram page. Go follow us at Just Lily Things Podcast. And I'll post this periodically. So follow us and yes. stay tuned for those. Okay. Sorry. So I have also some TripAdvisor reviews. Ooh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm just like so off topic today. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. Sponsor us, TripAdvisor. I think the cute boy really rattled my brain and I just like don't know how to focus on anything now. Um, anyways, so this one is called Great But Frightening Experience. Ooh. So this is from October 20th, 2017. I have stayed at the Jerome Grand Hotel twice now and I can say it is for sure haunted. I do recommend the ghost tours they have um, and there's ghost equipment where you can communicate with ghosts. There was a graveyard, haunted high school, and an old prison. I stayed in room 32, which is said to be the most haunted room in the entire hotel. Apparently, there was a nurse who used to take patients and insert a needle into their temples with a disease. Ooh. Oh, God. Around 11 p.m., I started to get a very painful headache on the side of my temple. I was also talking about how I needed to use the restroom, and in that very room, a patient shot himself in the head in the bathroom. Uh. Okay, yeah, that's spooky-fooky. When I got up to use the restroom, an anomaly passed by the door like it didn't want me to go in there. The TV wouldn't work for the longest time, and the batteries in our phones kept dying. That is the most telling thing from this whole review. Yes. 
like batteries getting drained hello um the door even slammed at one point the last most frightening thing that happened that night was finding my cell phone dead in the center in the middle of the bed when I woke up that next morning and then I just have um, a couple of excerpts from other uh, reviews so this one person said we did however have an unexplained occurrence in our room the bathroom sink had a groove made into it that fit my comb perfectly and before I retired for the night I put the comb in the sink for the night I got up around 4 a.m. to use the restroom and on the way to the bathroom, stepped on my comb. My partner promises she did not move it. And then uh, another one says, we do believe we had a short visit from a spirit uh, toward the evening. I guess they meant to say toward the end of the evening. I don't know. Uh, we lowered the ceiling fan switch to half speed. A short while later, the ceiling fan completely stopped. We checked the fan switch, and it had been moved to the stop position. It was not a switch that could have moved by itself. Neither of us had been near the switch or touched it. We enjoyed having a spirit full of mischief around, but that was the only visit we encountered during our visit. Hmm. And then the last one, this is a whole review. I didn't get the title of the review, but that's okay, because you could just type in the name of the hotel in the first sentence, and then you'll get the review if you want to read it for yourself. So this says, if you enjoy old, her, old, his, I almost said heroic, my dumbass brain. If, yeah, this building's very heroic. They had nurses killing people. So brave. Um, yes. Oh, hooray. She's so brave. Um, if you enjoy old historic buildings, the Jerome Grand is a must see. When we decided to spend a week exploring beautiful Arizona, I was hoping to spend at least one night at the Grand. I managed to book room 32, a third floor balcony room with an awesome view of the Verde Valley. The third floor is supposed to be the most haunted floor in the hotel, a fact I was supposed to refrain from mentioning to my girlfriend, Cookie Lee, during our stay. I wonder if that's her girlfriend, his or her girlfriend's real name. I need to know that too, because I am so here for the name. Because sometimes people like change the name on the internet, but at the same time, like this person didn't have to mention the name. That is true. Like, it's like, just had to throw that out there that my girlfriend's name's fucking awesome, and I'm going to let yeah. you guys all know it. Oh, I would be dropping that all the time. Oh, for sure. If I was dating her, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Cookie Lee, I love that. Um, anyways, so the room wasn't ready when we arrived, so we wandered into the hotel restaurant, the aptly named Asylum. I love that. See, that's another case of, like, them really embracing kind of their history and, and lore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and enjoyed a gourmet lunch while waiting. With lunch completed, we had a quick check-in and hop onto the spooky old Otis elevator for a trip up to the third floor. We found the room small but clean and accommodating, the best part being the private balcony with comfortable chairs on which we lounged while eating yummy cheesecake from the downstairs restaurant. We took a short walk down the hill into town for some shopping and then returned to relax on the balcony and watch the city lights below. And we then retired for the night. It was exactly at midnight that I was abruptly awakened by a flood of chills rushing through my body. As I lay quietly pondering the incident, I began to notice a medicinal or herbal scent develop in the air. As I was sniffing from my suddenly stuffed sinuses, Cookie Lee was awakened and commented on the odd scent. 
After a few uneventful moments, we drifted back to sleep. At checkout the following morning, I mentioned the incident to the front desk lady and asked if they run any deodorants through the AC system. And I like that this person is also trying to kind of debunk what happened. Yeah. Um, because I would, honestly, I would also do that. I would be like, okay, maybe it's not a ghost here, people. <laughs> You're like nervously laughing and adjusting my collar. <laughs> Um, let me see, where was I? Right. Um, so the front desk lady replied, no, she told us that and chills and odd sense were, she told us that chills and odd sense were two indicators of spirits being present. It was all too weird. And I believe her, we really enjoyed our stay at the Jerome grand and definitely got our money's worth. An awesome meal, a cool old room, and a midnight visit from a friendly spirit. Who could ask for more? And that's it for the Jerome Grand Hotel. Hmm. I like that. I like at least for me, I don't sense anything malicious. Like what what I talked about in my last hotel experience. Um. Mm-hmm. It just seems like there's just like a bunch of. I, I, it's definitely more than one ghost in my opinion. Just existing, chilling, letting themselves show that hey i'm known just doing my thing what do you get oh, from it um i agree i think it's kind of like hey you know i'm here don't forget about the history i i'm fascinated by the story of the woman getting a headache in her temple mm-hmm. and needing to use the restroom like and then remembering oh shit there's a guy who shot himself in the temple in the in the restroom like, what are the odds that those two strike at the same? I mean, listen. That's pretty like, crazy. Like, I get headaches all the time. Mine are usually in the top of my head because I wear my ponytail so high, mm. but that's neither here nor there. Um, that is a head- really intriguing story. <laughs> yeah, right? And I also think that the phone batteries dying and the, the odd scent, is really really interesting yeah huge indicators of paranormal activity or energy present in that room for sure absolutely okay so my last story uh my last hotel i'm going to be talking about is the mount washington hotel now this place uh is fucking massive um it's now called the omni mount washington resort and it's located in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire. So uh, this is some history, uh, which I found at oddins.com. So Bretton Woods is a part of the land grant made in 1772 by Royal Governor John Wentworth. The area was named after Bretton Hall, Wentworth's ancestral home in Yorkshire, England. The superstructure of the Mount Washington Hotel boasted a steel network uncommon in its day. The Mount Washington Hotel was built by New Hampshire native Joseph Stickney, who made his fortune in coal mining and the Pennsylvania Railroad. Railroad. Stickney spared no expense in building the imposing hotel. The latest design and construction methods were used, and innovative and complicated heating and plumbing systems were installed. And to this day, the Bretton Woods Hotel has its own private telephone system and post office. Ooh, so, I like the post office. What is it with this episode with hotels and post offices? Yeah, but I mean, it makes sense because at that time when this hotel was made, we didn't have emails. We didn't have social media where we can message people back and forth. 
our the main line of communication was through snail mail. So having your own post office was the most efficient way to run things, right? Oh, absolutely. And that is, because that was such a huge form of communication for people back in the day, and these hotels that I was talking about make it such a big deal to make the people that stay there most comfortable. Um, they want to make sure that their experience there, they're able to access whatever they need when they need it. So having their own post office makes the most sense at that time. That's swanky. I like it. So when I was telling you that he... Uh, so Stickney really wanted people that he did business with to be able to leave New York and not be wanting for any creature comfort. Um, it was really the place to be seen and to see. So with that being said, like I was saying with all the construction and he was doing the top of the line construction of everything, the heating, um, just all, just every single thing that he put into that hotel, he did with great detail, and he made it the best of the best. I'm not exaggerating. So it cost $1.7 million at the time to create this estate. Which, at the time? Yes, yeah, so $1.7 million now is expensive. But back then, in 2000, if you're going to inflate it to, at the time this article was written, this was 2014, it translates to $47.5 million worth of construction to create this resort. Holy shit. Yeah. A lot of fucking money. So, um, so the ground was broken in 1900, and the construction was completed in 1902. But it's important to note that, um, <laughs> that Joseph Stickney ended up dying in 1903 from a sudden heart attack. So he spent so much time building this resort and doing all these things to create this dream resort for him and his guests. And not even a year later, he passed away. So he really can't even enjoy the success of the hotel. That's depressing. Yeah. Um, so he, at the time, had a wife named Carolyn. And they absolutely both loved the hotel. It was their passion. Um, and so he, because he died, he left his devastating widow to roam the hotel that they loved so much alone. But she wasn't single for long. Uh, eventually, Caroline married again to Prince Lucinge of France. And Ooh, moved, yeah, yeah, she is, she's getting the men with money and moved she's over. Like, not to, over for me. Nuh-uh. She's like, I'm still living. And moved over to his homeland with him until he died years later. And then after his death, the princess moved back to the Mount Washington Hotel, spending the rest of her days enjoying the hotel and its many luxuries that her first husband had worked so hard to build. Oh, so, that's sweet. Yeah, it's actually, it's Caroline's ghost that many people believe still haunts the hotel today. Staff and guests alike have reported seeing the apparition of a woman that matches Caroline's description looking over the balcony of the hotel. She used to stand here secretly comparing what people were wearing, determined to outshine them. I love a petty queen. Um, that's amazing. Dude, <laughs> my grandfather's third, sec, hmm, third wife went to a... <laughs> <laughs> when, the one who made me play in the laundry room. Oh, yeah, that about one. Her. Yeah. She, the, this, like, bitch fucking <laughs> wore 
she went to my aunt's wedding, my aunt's big day, in a bright red fringe dress and, like, a red hat. The audacity. <laughs> you mean audacity? <laughs> Okay, I'm done. You know what? We're going to end this right here. I'm clicking end. Goodbye. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, that's, I thought it was audacity too, honestly, and then I read well, it. Well, you know what's so funny is because I, I was going to say hordacity, but I don't like to slut shame, so in my head, <laughs> I was going to say audacity, but it just, I don't like slut shaming, guys, so I wasn't going to, okay, whatever. I explained myself. We're moving on. <laughs> Anyways. I don't want to be a part of cancel culture. Part. Okay. Um. So, um, her ghost has also been seen descending the stairs for dinner. So, room 314, also known as the princess room, was used to be... Oh, my God, Loki. We get it. Room 314, also known as the princess room, used to be Caroline's private suite. The handcrafted four-poster bed in this room is the one that that she shared with her husband, Joseph. On a few occasions, guests have awoken to see Caroline sitting on the end of the bed, slowly brushing her hair. And in this room... Oh, fuck no. Yeah. (laughs) And in this room, Taps, ghost hunters, uh, they caught an EVP of a woman believed to be Caroline, or Carolyn, seemingly respond to their questions. And in the tower suites, lights are also known to turn on and off, perfume suddenly drifts into rooms, and tubs have been known to fill themselves. So Wait, that's spooky-kooky-ooky. How do you not... Also... How do you not notice the bathtub is running and you didn't start it? Oh, I guess if it's a ghost, they can do it in secret. I mean, ghosts have... Well, you go, maybe you leave the room, go get some brunch or something, you come back up and then the bathtub's filled. It doesn't take long to fill a bathtub, I don't think. Carolyn's sitting there brushing her hair like, the time is now! Go, go, go! (laughs) Run, run, run! They're having the continental breakfast! (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so... A lot of um, a lot of people, celebrities, and people of high society, including Thomas Edison and the Vanderbilts, and three U.S. presidents, have stayed in this hotel. So there's a Ooh, lot of really? history in this hotel. Um, yeah, and um, so that's that's like some of the experiences from the hotel. Let me pull up here. I know Loki. This is so interesting. So, um, I have an experience that I found on Reddit, and it's titled... So, you know how I brought up that TAPS investigated there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this person titles their Reddit experience at this hotel, My Story About Ghost Hunting with the Cast of Ghost Hunters. I am all about this. Yes. So, here it goes. This was in 2009. To start off, I had never had a paranormal experience but was always fascinated by the subject. So I got to I got into watching Ghost Hunters. One day I researched and they were doing a convention at Mount Washington Hotel in Bretton Woods in Bretton Woods, North New Hampshire. It was a two-night stay over the gang. Oh, I'm sorry. It was a two-night stay over with the gang from the show and investigating the area. YouTube the episode. It's quite a famous one. Yes, it was $400 and yes, a friend and I bought a ticket, but we had the cash flow and it was one of those I need to see if the shit is real or not moments. Oh, absolutely. Money well spent. Right? I agree. So we get up there and meet all the guys. I promise I'm not plugging the show, but they were cool as fuck. We can agree. We met them. They're fucking awesome. Um, Hundreds of people there. They knew everyone by name, talkative, humble, etc. And the first night of investigating the Mount Washington Hotel gets underway. There is some creepy shit that happens with 
K2 meters and stuff, but I'll bypass that because it's exactly what happens in the show. We ask questions, corresponding lights respond, can easily be fucked with, so I wasn't convinced. We go across the lawn to the Breton Arms Inn in the same episode. We're walking around with a group of seven or eight people going into various rooms and doing the question answer thing and nothing is fucking happening. I'm like, yep, this is all bullshit. Then we go upstairs and we walk into one bedroom. I immediately feel sick, like vomit type sick. It just doesn't feel right in there. Nothing was told to us about the room beforehand or anything. It was just a random bedroom. The hair on my arms, neck, etc. was standing up. Picks were taken and the temperature around me was eight degrees less than the rest of the room. I still, I didn't know what, yeah. I didn't know what the fuck was going on, but tears started streaming down my face. It was the strangest thing that has ever happened to me without control. Everything stops after about 20 minutes and we leave, but I'm thoroughly freaked the fuck out. We explore some more rooms in the main hotel and Dave Tango, shout out, (laughs) asks me and my buddy if we want to check out the attic of the hotel. We go up there and it's pretty cool. There were names of the waiters, waitresses carved on the wall from the late 1800s. He was- Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah. He was just telling us about the place, was quite interesting. Then I'm looking in the back of the attic with a flashlight and I hear a thud noise. I whip around and an opaque sphere ball whips past Dave down the hallway. He looks at me and goes, what? the fuck was that this guy's skin was so pale it was almost green i don't give a fuck you can't fake that he was sweating and free <laughs> he was sweating and freaking and about a minute or two later jason and grant come up and we're like did you guys see that it made a woman scream and she just left it wasn't just our group other people had seen it too and now i'm scared as fuck nothing else happened for the rest of the night and we went we went to uh we Went to our rooms. Oh, okay. They said out rooms. I didn't understand that. I didn't sleep much, obviously. I was freaked the fuck out. The next day, my buddy Matt, who came with me, decided to drive a little bit and check out the Spalding Inn, host of the show Own the Inn, also YouTube the episode, and see if we could check it out. Jason and Grant were there by chance and showed us around and said if we want to stay there that night, it's no problem. They'll switch us from the hotel to there. We said okay, and it was all set. Now, before you guys say anything like, oh, they were planning for you to stay there so they could fuck with you, etc., etc., hear me out. We come back, about six of us stay there. We walk over to the carriage house and decide to investigate. The carriage house is extremely small. It's an upstairs and a downstairs. It's only four bedrooms and two bathrooms. You can canvas the whole space in about three minutes. We start an EVP sort of session in a bedroom, but the answers to questions are literally coming in thuds in the building. We kept, look- we kept looking outside, walking around when this would happen, and no one else was fucking in there. Needless to say, I got freaked out. The more questions we asked, we would hear shuffling, like someone walking up to outside the door of the bedroom numerous times. This made me go, well, that's enough being in here ever, and we went to leave. We walk out, and we're walking down the stairs to leave, and I hear a long creak across the hallway. Myself and another girl dart our uh, flashlights down the hallway. What I saw, I'll never forget. A six-foot black figure walked across the hallway from room to room. It wasn't somebody's shadow. It was opaque, solid. Couldn't even see the window behind it. We ran. Fucking ran. Back outside into the hotel as fast as we could. That cottage was so small... Anyone opening doors or even walking would have been heard. We canvassed outside after, and there was nothing there. I do have to say, as a former skeptic, I now believe that there are things we can't explain at all. If someone has any questions at all or wants proof of stuff, I'll try my best, so message me. But bottom line, I paid 400 bucks to ghost hunt with the guys from the show, and my God, there are things they could not have faked if they wanted to fuck with us. 
The end. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that is the history and the paranormal background of the Mount Washington Hotel. So, I'm wondering if, like, any of those, like, card names of, like, the waiters or waitresses are, like, still the ones around. You know what I mean? Like, I carved my name in this bitch. Might as well haunt it. Right? Like, it's like, I have dibs in this section of the of the hotel. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. That's so weird. Um, there's definitely, that's a, that's a prime example of walls could talk, right? All the people oh, that absolutely. have passed through there, all the celebrities, all of the high-profile society members. What's been discussed? Has there been any dark history that maybe isn't public knowledge? Ooh. I mean, yeah, that's a good, good point. I love when they kind of, like, uncover things through ghost hunting. Like, you see it every, I mean, it's rare, but you see it every now and then. Mm-hmm. You know, when there's some, or something that is just kind of not talked about. And then they'll be like, yeah, did someone die in this room? And they're like, oh, yeah, we forgot to tell you. Yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting. I feel like at this hotel, it's such a large property, and there's so much there. Which, oh, actually, I wanted to tell you guys. Uh, obviously, you guys can stay there, and they update the hotel and things like that. Um, but let me pull up. On the uh, on the website, hauntedrooms.com, this is some of the features that are in the hotel. So there's 200 guest rooms and suites in total, wow. all finished to the highest of standard. The hotel has a full-size 25,000-square-foot spa and salon, the, a recently renovated 18-hole golf course. They have uh, New Hampshire's largest ski area, two four-diamond dining rooms, uh, a new Stickney's restaurant that they renovated, Cave. There's, um, Are some... you serious? Oh, is that the truck? Yeah, I thought the construction guys let... Oh, that means my boyfriend's back. <laughs> Well, I'll wrap this up quickly so you can go talk to your future husband. Um, so some of the, some of the future, uh, features include luxury guest rooms, like I said. There's 30,000 square feet of meeting space. Um, what else that I didn't mention? Numerous resort activities, indoor-outdoor pools. It's a stunning location in general. If you look up these pictures, I mean, I would live there forever. I would never leave the location. There's, yeah, wait, what's it, called, what's it called now? Because I know it had a different name. When it's it the Omni... It's the Omni uh, Mount Washington Hotel. It's just because now this, I guess, hotel group called Omni bought it. Um, so it's pretty much the same name, but it's just like Omni in front of it because it's Holy a whole. Holy yeah. shit. It's nice. Uh, there's a fitness center and, of course, Wi-Fi available. There are some pictures of it in the winter, and it looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I mean, definitely looks like there's some spooky kooky yuki stuff that could transpire there, but... Uh, I would totally stay there uh, for life if I could. If I was a ghost, I'd haunt the fuck out of that place. Oh, yeah. So on that note, that concludes this episode of Just Ghoulie Things. I feel like this episode was super chaotic, but I'm here for it. You guys are here for it. I love it. So thank you for listening to our episodes. Uh, Definitely feel free to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, review us, tell us how much you love our podcast. It makes us feel good about ourselves. And oh, Lily, Lily, do you have anything to add for before we wrap up and shout out our social media handles? Um, if you have stayed in a haunted hotel, we want to hear your experience. Yes. So email us at... Oh, I guess I do it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I was leaving that to you. 
justthelidingspodcast at gmail.com. All right. Ready for the social medias? Born ready. All right. Follow us on I'm Instagram. Gonna say, I'm going to say extra loud because I'm hoping that maybe my construction boyfriend will hear them. Ooh, okay. I like this. All right. Ready, guys? I mean, Let's I make this happen. I, I went, as soon as the beeping started, I went and sat in my closet in case it starts beeping <laughs> I would love for one of your roommates to just come to try to find you and they find you in the closet just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, all right, we need a new roommate like now. <laughs> yeah, well, this isn't working out for us. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Follow us on Instagram at Just Willie Thinks Podcast. Personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Ghoulie Things Podcast group. Donate to our Patreon. Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that you'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at justghoulithingspodcast.gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, Boo Things. We love you. See you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.